On today's show, I'm talking with Sonia Diaz Ibadi, a marriage and family therapist and mother in Santa Barbara, California. Even more than that, Sonia is a truth seeker, and this conversation will teach you what specific questions to ask yourself and simple practices to do every day. I'm talking five minutes to make yourself a priority so that you can show up as your bravest and most courageous self. In our, um, you know, overflowing video world that we're in currently, um, just being able to see you. And I know that you're like 15 miles down the road, but that we're, <laughs> we get to be with each other. I've, I've learned and noticed just teaching yoga that um, just sharing our screens with each other versus like seeing a black box and talking kind of me to myself makes a huge difference. So I'm, I'm glad I get to see you. I'm glad I get to see you too, your face. <laughs> so I was just looking up for um, reference uh, how long I've actually known you. And mm-hmm. you, can you guess the date that you came to? So I know you from originally from coming to yoga class. Um, yeah. Do you remember when you started? Yeah, it was October. No, you opened in October and my first class was in December. Yeah, yeah, so it was right after you opened. Yeah, so it was nine years ago, almost yes. exactly nine years ago. Yes. And um, during that, so we did like a, we did a 40 Days to Personal Revolution program, mm-hmm. probably like right away in the new year. Yeah. And you were one of our participants. And mm-hmm. do you remember, like, what do you remember most from that? Like that beginning phase of, Yoga um, and discovery. So I remember it was um, really stepping into a community experience that I was craving. Um, and that was really important to me at the time. And it was a challenge. You know, it was a 40 days to personal revolution. Like just the, the title of it was so intriguing to me. And I was excited to do something like that, being led and part of a community. And what were you doing for, at that time, what were you doing for work? Were you in the therapy world at that time? What was I doing? I think, so let's see, I've been practicing for 10 years. So I think I was in, I think I was in graduate school at the time. Okay. Yeah. And what did we do? Like, I, I, I bring this up because people will come to like a program, like we do teacher trainings. We do 40 days to personal revolution. I've gone to these week long programs with my teachers and retreats. And sometimes what catches people is they'll be, um, it's, and it's just resistance, right? Like resistance shows up for us in lots of different ways, but someone will be like, well, I don't want to do this. I didn't sign up for in a revolution program. I didn't sign up for therapy. And I'm like, no, 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 this isn't therapy. That's not what this is. So from your lens, like how do you think this kind of yoga world, self-inquiry and discovery, how is it, how is it different, even definition based than like what therapy is? Cause I don't even really know. Yeah. Um, well, what, what that program provided for me was be, being led, right? By it was you and and Melanie at the time, and it was being led by two instructors that I had so much love for and appreciation and admiration and respect. And it took me into the journey of meditating. And at the time, the the book was the Untethered Soul, mm-hmm. and so there was like. Um, it was like you were taking us through this step-by-step process and we were being led by the two of you, but there was, um, there was this weaving in and out of nutrition, meditation, the book, um, and you and Melanie were asking these really big, serious questions about looking at ourselves and where we were in our lives at the time. And is that who we wanted to be? Is that how we wanted to continue to show up? And some of that does happen in therapy, but it's not so led. Right. And so in, as a therapist, I'm, I'm the person that follows the client's lead, but what you and Melanie provided back then was you were leading a little bit. There wasn't, you weren't directing us, but you were leading us a little bit 
and the opportunity to share with other people and listen to other people. But different from like talking just one-on-one with someone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What was it like for you? Cause you said, okay, I was, I stepped into a community and I like was craving that. Yeah. And, um, and you and I have talked offline, you know, you've done some, I've, I've come to see you as a therapist and, um, but separate from that is you've, um, told me about how there's this need for connection because so many people, I mean, more now than ever in this conversation we had was, was maybe even a year ago about just like this, how many people are living in loneliness and isolation and they're, they don't actually realize that they're not alone in that until you started hearing it from several people and then had this idea of like how I want to bring people together. And like, at one point we talked about doing a retreat and how could we weave that in? And, um, yeah. Yeah. So like the, the difference between one-on-one talking, which is valuable for, uh, for good reasons. And then there's the community talk. What would you say is like the most valuable thing from group conversations that are led kind of like that 40 days thing. And, and then also like one-on-one. So when you are part of community and you are deeply listening to other people talking, many times you can have that aha experience or, oh my gosh, me too. I'm not alone in that. There is someone who is basically speaking my story or speaking from my perspective. And the chance of you feeling connection or connected to other people goes way up. So specifically during right now, this unprecedented time, is very isolating for so many people. And I think as a consensus, we all know everybody is struggling in some way or another. We we all know that. We all know this is really hard. Um, But when you hear somebody else say they're having a similar or almost an exact same experience as you, it leaves you feeling not so alone. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just went to lunch at, um, across the street at Brazil arts cafe and one of the owners was there and he's like, how are you doing? And, um, I was like, you know, like, I don't even know how to answer that question currently. And I was like, we're, you know, life is just lifing currently. And he, he said to me, he goes, you know what? We just, I don't know how he worded it, but it was something like, we just decided to like, not in, in essence, not look at the numbers anymore of like how business is going. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like to hear someone else say that. And like, he had a smile on his face and he's like, I, you know, lots of things. Like, I wish we could just have people in and all these things. I'm like, I feel all these same things. And we're both in this and you're a restaurant and I'm a yoga studio. And, um, yeah, I felt like, even as I sit here, I'm like, I feel more I don't know, like a, a, a survivor, like we're, we're staying in it. And I even said to him, I was just like, we're going to, we're going to make it through this. He's like, oh yeah. And I was like, I think, you know, a lot of people have thrown in the towel in ways, yeah. um, business or whatever else, um, you know, jobs or something like that. And I was like, I think that because we're like, we just, we're doing the next best thing. And he's like, that's what it was for him. He's like, I just decided not to look at the numbers. Yeah. And I, all of a sudden, yeah, I'm just left with like a, 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 an ease of breathing. Even Yeah. He gets it. You get it. Right. And it's, there's a sense of, okay, we're in this together. We're doing it together. Yeah. How have you, what's been the things that you've seen more now than ever during this seven months now that we're kind of going on of isolating and um, yeah. changing jobs and you know, like rules. And I feel like, I I guess the biggest thing that I'm noticing is like the freedom that I thought that we had, that I thought that I could always create is actually not in my control fully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. so what am I seeing now more of? Is that, was that the Mm -hmm. question? Yeah. So Clinically speaking, depression and anxiety, usually not always, but they usually go together pretty well. And one usually manifests more than the other. And what I'm seeing now is that the two of them are almost ever present and within seconds of the other. 
right? So my clients are vacillating pretty quickly between depression and anxiety because there's so much uncertainty right now. Um, and tell me, Sonia, what does it sound like? What do you hear from someone? Like when you say like someone's anxious, someone's anxiety or Sam's anxious and then they're depressed. Like what, if I was to be listening in conversation, what does that sound like? Yeah. So, um, someone really, I just talked to somebody earlier this morning, like really struggling to get out of bed, right? Really struggling to get in the shower, to brush your teeth. They got kids. And then it flips to this frantic what ifing, right? So while they're struggling to get out of bed because of depression or they're experiencing some depressive symptoms that they can quickly go into, well, if I don't get up, then I can't get the kids um, breakfast and I can't get them ready for school and then I can't do this and I can't do that. And then that spirals them into, you know, a really anxious state where they're just kind of having an out-of-body experience where they're going through all the motions, but they're not in their body and they're moving out of a place of fear. The what ifing can really perpetuate that rapid heartbeat and sweating and um, worst case scenario kind of thinking. And then once the kids are settled or they're Zooming or whatever it is that may be happening, then they come back to this, I don't want to eat. Um, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't really want to socialize with anyone. And so it just goes, it's this up and down flow. It's almost like one replaces the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can, I can, I don't like definitions necessarily because sometimes it's hard to relate. Like, yeah. And yet what you're saying about the experience is like, I've been in all those places and I mm-hmm. watch myself yeah, like have moments where I'm like not wanting to, like this, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, yay, today I'm not depressed because I was really excited to get out of bed. <laughs> That's like the first thing that came to my mind. And yet the reality is, is there have been lots of days where all of a sudden, like, you know, my daughter's three now and, and she has been waking up way too early, like, let's be honest with that. And she'll come next to the bed and like start to, I'm like, oh my God can I have a minute? And then it's actually like more like, no, I just want to lay in bed longer than I actually need to. And, and then I look at around and I'm just like, I have, I have enough money to pay my mortgage. Like, yeah, I don't know the future of my, my yoga studio, but I have my kids. Okay. My husband's okay. My family's okay. And yet like I, and I live in Santa Barbara, like right now I'm sitting in my studio looking at the mountains and it's sunny and I don't ever have to worry about shoveling snow. Right. And yet it's still there on some days. Yes. Yeah. And that, that is showing up a lot with my clients. And I'm hearing very, very similar stories every day. And so what is your, like, what do you think? Like you mentioned it about like not being able to, um, I don't know how you worded it, but was like, they're experiencing rapid heartbeat, like the anxious feeling, like rapid heartbeat, sweating. And then the other side of it, depression being like not being able to get out of bed Mm -hmm. is you said like people aren't able to actually like be in their bodies. Yeah. So what is it someone should do? Like if they're experiencing any one of those two things. Yeah. Um, Find a trusted person to talk to. Um, Reaching out and hearing yourself say what is true for you, what you're experiencing. you know, some people roll their eyes when, when they hear me say that, like, what good is that going to do? But it's so important to move that energy up and out of your body. And if you can't do it through movement itself, through yoga or through taking a walk or, you know, getting up and making yourself something to eat, then it's really important to get it up and out through your voice or through journaling because it It brings you to the here and now. It brings you into your current state, into your current experience. Yeah. Is there like a question? Like if you, if someone was to journal, like, is, I know that I always am horrible at journaling because I'm always like, today I did this. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like I can journal better if provoked with a question. Is there a good question to ask? What is true for for me right now? What's going on for me right now? in this moment, what am I experiencing? And that helps it just come up. 
yeah. verbally and then out. And then one of my um, good friends always says, it's better out than in. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. Shrek gave us some amazing advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so even journaling, I don't know, I read something recently. It's, it's similar to that. Like the, the moment that something comes from your brain into your hand onto paper, there's a transference. I think it's even like a biblical thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the biblical part, but I love it. And it's just about getting it up and out of your body. Okay. Great. Now, like the, the, I want to like switch the conversation a little bit about like, so what's true for you Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, right now, not only is everything going on with the pandemic, but there's, you know, we're, an election and mm-hmm. there's been a huge movement. And I remember, I think I reaching out to you like right around, I think May or June and you were kind of, I think you had started coming in for classes a little bit, like Zoom something. I can't remember why we connected, but you're just like, I've been sort of swallowed by everything that's going on culturally. Yeah. And, um, and so not only is there this, you know, movement, which has always been occurring, let's just be honest around Black Lives Matter, but we're just now actually, like, even myself, like we're paying attention to it in a way that's like, we're, we're taking a stand for like, this is not going to be something that we allow for anymore. Correct. At least that's the stand I'm taking. Like, yes. this is, I can't believe that we're in 2020 and we're still having these conversations. But at the same time, I look at who I was seven years ago. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that I actually was doing some racist things, right? Um, and so, you know, the, in, mixed in with that is all the, um, I guess, like just human rights and human, um, I don't know how to, like gender equality and, um, you know, um, LGBTQ, there's other letters that I'm probably missing. And, um, is what does it look like? Because I, when I ask this question, or I'm kind of like rambling about this, is like when I send you a message and I send you an email, and you're in response to me with your signature, it says Sonia Diaz Abadi, and it'll say she, her, right? My pronouns, yeah. Your pronouns. Yeah. Walk me through like that. Because people yeah. are seeing it now and they're like, I don't know what that means. And they're starting to be in people's email address. and. Yeah. What do I do? And do I need to do that? Yeah. Um, for me, it means that I'm, I'm an ally, um, that I recognize that there are trans people who don't identify as she, her, he, him. Um, and so me, in, in my email message, labeling what my pronouns are, that's how I like to be referred to because I identify as, as a woman, a cis woman. So if anybody were to reach out to me as a client, um, asking, you know, for an appointment or asking how I work and my email response to them, has she, her, hers, um, and they are questioning how they identify, that just signifies to them, like, I, I am an ally and I want to learn more. Okay. And so like someone reaches out to you, I guess where I always struggle is that I, I don't have that in my email. I could definitely put that on there. And, um, you know, combining this with being an ally in the conversation of racism is Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I'm just always messing up. Like, I want to, I have this feeling, this, I get inspiration and I want to post something. And then all of a sudden it's like, someone's like, maybe don't follow that person. This don't say that, like that was a total douchebag response. And I'm like, ah, I'm just trying, but I'm like, I get hit with this. Oh, you have a yoga studio. You have this platform. You need to make a, you need to make a, like a statement. And I'm just like, I'm scared to make a statement because if I make a statement, someone's going to take me out at the knees. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so grateful to you, Adrian, for, for just saying this and us having a conversation about it or attempting to have a conversation about it, right? Because I don't necessarily have the answers I, 
either. But what I love about you is you being so open and willing to share your stories, to share your mistakes, um, and be open to people's feedback. Because you know, when you do post something, you leave yourself you leave yourself open, and with that comes a responsibility that somebody is going to um, not agree with you. And what I've been seeing lately is you saying, oh, okay, well, I didn't think about it like that, or I didn't know that. Um, and yes, you do have a platform, Adrian. You don't have to do anything. You're choosing to educate yourself. You're choosing to ask the really hard questions. You're choosing to put yourself out there. You're choosing to take responsibility as a white woman asking to be taught and asking, um, how do I do this? What do I say? What don't I say? Um, and the only other thing I have to offer is, is keep doing what you're doing when you get it wrong say I got it wrong and this is why and this is my new understanding mm. yeah and like with that the new understanding is it like I'm, I'm just gonna bring this up because sometimes I don't know why this is so interesting I just had a dream the other day um and someone that I'm like love dearly we're not talking at the moment and I had a dream that she said to me she goes we don't need to rehash my dream, but she said in the dream, she's like, if you bring up, um, I did this namaste with attitude class, like 2013. I don't know if you remember that, but it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a good move on my part. And that was seven years ago. And anyway, in my dream, she's like, if you bring this up and actually like publicly say that you apologize for this and like your new, I don't even know what the, what it was, but I was just like, what I'm left with is like, we're in this conversation. Wasn't something I thought to bring up, but I remember that when this was happening and I, you know, we, this is like, um, like we, I didn't go as crazy as like blackface situation and yoga class, but like it was, it was not one of my finer moments and moves as far as a, I don't know, a human being. It doesn't even matter what color I am, but just a human being. And um, I remember like reaching out like out of fear to a friend that I knew did like publicity stuff. And I was just like, people keep asking me to apologize. And I'm, I, I feel sorry, but I don't actually know what I'm, I don't, I don't know how to make a formal apology. And mm -hmm. that was something that I learned during that was like, I apologize for this behavior and mm -hmm. my new way forward is this. And I look back to who I was seven years ago and I'm just like, oh my God, I, for seven years, I still haven't been living up to the person that I really wanted to be at that point in time because I just didn't know better. Right. And so now it's like, okay, well, I, I'm, I keep learning more, but like, I don't know, I'm just like a big advocate for grace where it's just like, I don't know, people are doing the best they can. Give them some grace. Yeah. Yeah. And that person that shot themselves in the foot in their mouth, foot in the mouth situation again, it's like, keep, keep having hope that there's like going to be a shift. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about and, all that? Um, I, I remember what you, what you are talking about and you did, you did come under fire. That was a really painful um, period of turmoil and growth for you. And I think that um, I'm, I'm remembering some of the comments and um, I felt so sad because of how um, I felt so, it was a both and experience for me. I felt so sad and bad how you were being attacked and also understood where the anger was coming from. And my wish for all of that was that the people who had something really important to say could have said it with a little more grace so that it could have been a teachable moment um, where a lot of people could have learned. Um, I'm repeating myself having said that 
I also understand as a woman of color myself, I, I understand where the deep frustration and anger also came from. It was, it was both and. Um, and I make these mistakes, not all the time, but I, I make these m mistakes in my clinical practice. And, you know, I don't have a big platform like you do, Adrian. Like the mistakes I make are, you know, in, in the office with one or two people. Um, but like you, I so want to be taught. I so want to learn. I too am afraid of saying the wrong thing. And, you know, in an intimate setting like the therapy room, um, one of two things is going to happen, right? Either who I'm speaking to, if I've said something offensive, they're either going to withdraw and really shut down or they're going to lash out. It's, it's, I've not experienced something in the middle. It's usually one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that I know is true for me personally and in the therapy settings is meaningful, intimate relationships stem from rupture and repair. And so if I've offended someone as a therapist and they're the client and I become aware of it or they make me aware of it, there's a rupture, then I have an amazing opportunity to repair, provide repair. And if they accept the repair, then that clinical relationship, that therapeutic relationship can really grow and so much healing can come from that on both parts because we've both been open to learning. Mm -hmm. And if the repair is not trusted or dismissed, then there's, I guess there's value and growth in that too, but it hurts more. Yeah. That's, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best and sometimes it's just still not enough. Like I, whether it's a, a real truthful apology to like make the, you know, reconciliation and repair the relationship and yet it just hurts so bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I could go to probably years of therapy for just that one principle. <laughs> uh -huh, me too. <laughs> yeah. And I want to like, I want to talk about that is like, okay, so you're a therapist. You've been doing it since you were in grad school in 2013. When did you start? Um, and I know that's like, like an extensive amount of um, hours, even after you finish before you're, you know, seeing, I don't know, like the, the steps of that, like, what did it look like to go into your first like appointment is like a, I'm wearing the hat of the therapist. They trust me enough to do this. <laughs> Right. Like, I guess the question I have is, is like, did you have any imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. So I, I remember my first client, it was, um, April 6th of 2009. It was a Thursday, I think. And it was like four 30 in the afternoon. I'll never forget it. Um, because I had done, you know, a few quarters of, of graduate school at the time. And, and here I was sitting with this person who's in pain and I'm supposed to know what, what to do with that. Um, and that, you know, translates to now, like we are literally all in a very similar boat where there's no shortage of suffering. We're all having our own struggles and I'm paid professionally to hold space for the people who come to me. And I, I'm struggling too. <laughs> so yeah, there's imposter syndrome that happens for sure. And within these last seven months, more than, more than ever. Yeah. What do you, what do you do for yourself um, during this time of like, yeah, we're all going through this. Like you said, we're, we're all in a boat. We're, someone said it. Um, we're all in different. How did, what was the saying? We all are in a boat, but we, some of us have different like equipment. So some of us are in a boat with a hole in it and some of us are on yachts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so now is the time where I am reaching out for a ton of support. Um, I think I'm being led in almost every aspect of my life. So Sean and I, um, my husband and I are dipping in and out of couples therapy as we need to. 
My son has a therapist. I have a therapist. I also have a coach. Um, I have a trainer. I um, have somebody who's leading my nutrition. Um, because, like you said, when we exchanged emails back in May, June, I, I did feel like I was, get, I was getting swallowed up. And I did feel like I was providing all of this space and containment from, for all of these people who were suffering. And I wasn't doing a good job of doing that myself. And I'd say like the last two months, I've felt this sense of depletion. Like I can't think about how to exercise. I can't think about meals and grocery shopping. Like I need somebody to, to help me with that. Um, because that seems like too much for me right now. And I used to have an attitude or a way of thinking that I need to figure it all out. I needed to... Um, like be the expert everywhere almost. Yeah. And take care, take care of it all, right? And that is just not sustainable. I just, I cannot do that. And I don't mean to give off the impression that I have a coach I have, a, I have my own therapist, like that we are swimming in the funds. That, that's, just, that's just not true. But I'm getting really creative about how to make things work um, and how to get my needs met. Yeah, and it's always it comes down to we can figure out a way when there's a yes. value for those things. Yes. Like we will yeah. always figure it out. And I really truly believe that when we go in, in that direction – like even when, I don't know, you and I worked together, it was like, how can we sort this out? Because I just like, in my mind, I couldn't fathom spending so much money on therapy. But I also knew like having just lost my mom and dad and being pregnant that I'm like, I can't just unleash on my family and on my friends about how I'm doing. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fun. It's like actually just feels like I'm just like, especially when I'm teaching yoga and I'm supposed to be so inspiring and uplifting and I'm over here just being like, I need to get some stuff, like you said, up and out. Because yes. otherwise it's going to come up and out. And like, I've been that angry yoga teacher because I didn't get stuff up and out. You've, you've yeah. probably been around, you've been around long enough to see all the faces of me. Um, and yeah, like resentful mom, postpartum mother, <laughs> um, all those things. And it's, like there's always a way when we're around people that are supporting us. Yes. And, and it is such a liberating place to get to when you allow yourself to be supported and you see that as a source of strength, not as a source of weakness. It took me a long time to get here and my hope is that somebody listening can really take that in and have it land that when you access support and you allow yourself to receive it, man, what a blessing. Yeah. And then, so what is it, what's that like getting into this idea of questions? It's like, okay, well, when you journal and you're, you know, feeling anxious or depressed, it's like, what is true for me right here, right now? You start writing that or you share it and you, you're swimming in this place of, let's say, I need support. Is that just the question that you ask to someone that you trust? Or, I mean, that's not the question, but like, um, this, do you make a statement? Do you ask a specific question? Like, do you say something like, can you help me? Can you support me? Like, how does that, like, let's say just even in a, um, couples situation, like a mother, like, let's just like, let's get straight to it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think the moms right now are like straight up heroes that have kids that are trying to do Zoom school, that are trying to be, moms are amazing always. Doesn't even matter if you work or not. Because being a parent, I have learned like, my daughter's in preschool right now for anyone listening. I run a business and get to do all these things because I realize that I want to pay money for my daughter to be in preschool because I can be a better person to her before school, after school. And that was hard for me to swallow. And um, so I, I, I say this as like, to the mothers that are, I don't want to be like, to the mothers, like there's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what is it? Like, I, I've, I've witnessed so many of like friends that are just like, I'll ask them like, what have you done to take care of yourself today? And they're like, well, and it's just such a far mm -hmm. 
um, question that's never getting like truly like the attention and prioritized. Yeah. So um, like to the, to the moms that are like trying to do it all, like you're Zooming with your kids, you're working from home, you're cleaning your house, you're t- like, what's one thing that they can do? Question to ask someone for support. Yeah. Um, so I would say to get in the habit of asking yourself first, what do I need right now? What do I need right now? And once you identify for yourself what it is that you need, um, then you can reach out and ask if you can't fulfill it yourself, right? Um, like sometimes I'm super, super grouchy and I will say, well, what do I need right now? Well, I need to eat because I haven't eaten for five hours, right? That's a need that I can eat myself. I need to shower. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or if it's one of like one of the days that I have back to back to back to back clients um, on Zoom and I'm in the dining room and Sean is in uh, the living room and we are just a sliding glass door apart. And if he knows like, I'm starving because I've let him know and I only have 10 minutes and I have to pee and I have to do my little ritual. Then I say, can you, can you put together, you know, a peanut butter sandwich for me? Right? So first is get clear with yourself. Ask yourself, what do I need right now? And then identify someone that you trust, that you love, who can help support that need if you can't meet it yourself. Yeah. Is there like something that shows up right before that question? Like, yeah, I can, I know with myself, like just yesterday I was super agitated. Um, I, I just, my daughter's three and she's in this place right now where she just went and visited her grandparents and there, they were, she was an angel apparently. Mm-hmm. And then my sister was here and she had her for the whole day on Sunday and she was an angel. And then Sunday night I come home from being able to like, I took care of myself. My husband and I went on this great boat ride and she wouldn't let me take her temperature. She wouldn't let me put her in the bath and I lost it. I put her in the bath and I just started screaming and I was like, I'm so tired of like, not like she's such a shithead to me. I'm tired of this. It's really hard. And I actually like, I think because I actually said it out loud, I like, I left the house and went on a ride to my studio to pick something up, the, thermo- the thermometer gun, because I'm like, fuck it. I'm done with this temperature in the mouth thing. I've got the thing that can, I need a thermometer gun is what I yeah. need. Yeah. Yes. But I also, um, what I noticed was like, I was extra ir- irritated and agitated. And so I like ended the day, I'm like, okay, t- I need actually that night I went to bed super early. I'm like, I don't need a glass of wine. I don't need to eat anymore. I'm actually really tired. I need to go to bed. I can do that. But the next morning it was the same thing. And so I noticed for myself, it's agitation and like towards people that I love. Yeah. Is there usually like some sort of, I don't know, I guess maybe everyone's different, but like, is there like a trigger that you see commonly with yourself even that you're all of a sudden need to ask the question, what do I need? When I don't, when I'm, uh, when I've moved away from taking care of myself on a daily basis, um, yes, that's when I, I will get, um, my husband calls it prickly. That's when I get prickly, um, or really short. Um, and even my son, Jake will say, mom, did you meditate this morning? I don't think you did. And that's when oh I God. know. <laughs> I can't hide. No, cause I didn't take care of myself. And so when I don't take care of myself, um, unfortunately, uh, the people that I love the most usually are impacted negatively. Right. <laughs> so when I, when I take the time, make the time to take care of myself, whether that's for five minutes or it's for five hours, um, do, that doesn't happen very often. But when I make the time to make my needs a priority, everybody wins. What is your... Um, what is your morning routine? Like, do you have like a more, you said between clients, you have a ritual. What, what yeah. is that? Let's start there. So I, you typically have between eight to 10 minutes before the next client and I will come 
to the bathroom and I'll wash my hands um, and go pee if I have to go pee, of course, but washing my hands is just me giving them the client that I was with before, giving them back their energy so I don't take it on and preparing myself for the next client so that my energy is really clean and I'm receptive and ready to hold clean space for them. So that's my ritual between clients. You know, I took this um, training. It's interesting you bring up the water because, I mean, in yoga, it's the same thing. Like we don't have a bathroom inside the yoga studio, but it's like the, if the teachers that I trained with, they're like in between classes, take a shower, like rinse yourself. I mean, this is when we were touching people. But if you can't do that, always wash your hands and it's just like yeah. cleaning out energy. Um, but I also took this training, it was called 9Q, and it was about emotional intelligence and how we actually know so much about ourselves if we're paying attention. And one of the things that they had suggested yes. during, um, let's say you're in a meeting, or even if you and I are in this conversation and I start to notice that I'm getting hot, bothered, prickly, is we don't always have the access to wash our hands and give it back to someone else, but to drink a glass of water or take a sip of water yes. to just cool down the, in yoga, like the, that pitta energy that's coming mm -hmm. to the surface so that mm -hmm. we, yeah, we, we, we cool ourselves. Yeah. And, um, what else is like a ritual or is like maybe a habit that you have in the morning? Like if you, if you got, if you got your wish of how like your morning would go like morning routine, evening routine to take yeah. care of yourself. Yes. So the, the must for me in the morning, um, Every single morning, um, as soon as Sean leaves and I have alone time, um, and it's, it's time with God. And so that is something that happens every single morning, and that can be anywhere from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. I'm sorry, 15 minutes to 30 minutes, um, whether I'm you know listening to something that's inspiring or I'm just having a conversation with him or... Um, yeah, it's just time with God, however that manifests. And then I will do meditation after. And then after that, I'm good to go. So I can either journal and have coffee or go wake Jacob or I'm good to go. out. I can do anything after that. But if I don't have those first two things in the morning, it's not such a good day. Yeah. What does it look like? Talk, tell me, I, it's interesting because we just talked to John Ireland was one of the conversations yeah. I had and we kind of yeah. got into this little thing about like, what does it sound like to talk to God? Like I've never had that experience where I'm like, feel like I'm actually in a dialogue. It's more just like, I don't know, sounds like me venting. <laughs> like, yeah. what does it sound like for you? What is it? Is it a conversation? Is it like different from, because then after that, you're going to sit and meditate. And some people will say that, they'll call prayer meditation. And so like, I want to like decipher the two, like what's it, what makes prayer and have a conversation with God? What does that sound like? And then what is, what does it make meditation meditation? So I'm going to, I'm going to answer the latter first. So meditation for me, um, is, is typically led. Um, I will listen to a guided meditation because if I'm left to my own listening to my own breathing, Mm -mm -mm. I will create grocery lists, meal planning, what I got to do today, who I'm going to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back to your breathing, right? So meditation is led for me. Um, and it is someone telling me to focus on my breathing and even more specifically to focus on my inhale and my exhale and when to do that. It's very directed. Uh, <laughs> It is a very directed because unfortunately I can't do that for myself. So Perfect. that's my way of reaching out for help. Um, time with God is as soon as my eyes open, it's usually a thank you, right? Because I am in a warm bed. I'm usually pretty cozy. Um, I've got a roof over my head. My family is healthy. Um, I have a strong and healthy marriage and I'm so grateful and thankful for that. Um, so now that I'm hearing myself say this out loud, I think my time with God is about gratitude because I think thank you comes out of my mouth. Um, almost starting every sentence. 
And then I'll usually give a little bit of time just to be quiet to see if I hear anything or if I feel he needs me to pay attention to something today. But I'll always ask for his guidance and, and for him to help me bring healing to those who need it most. When you said it before about with therapy, it's like you're holding the space for people. And it's what I hear you saying in the prayer and um, conversation with God is like you're holding space when there's not something to be said. Yeah. You're holding space for something to like for you to get hit with something possibly. Mm -hmm. And if we don't yeah. like, I'm noticing this, like there's an, I mean, I'm doing this podcast for like, my intention is for people to walk away with something like my, I have two goals. One is for us to just have this conversation because I love talking to you and I always learn something. Um, you know, when I've gone to therapy or, you know, when I asked you those 10 questions or something of just things, like, I just always want to keep elevating, not from a place of um, not good enough, but like, what can I do to like keep being of service? And yeah. And the second part is for people that are listening to walk away and learn something from mm -hmm. our conversation, whoever I'm talking with you or someone else. And, and yet I'm noticing, especially in my household, is that there is a constant um, lack of a void. Like either the computer is open, the I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this too, as well as like my husband, but then it's like, there's podcasts on, there's um, something on TV, there's something on a device, there's, we got to Zoom, we've got to attend to things, we have to eat, and there's just like a lack of a void. And then like what we're left with, have you seen that with, with your clients as well, that there's just an overwhelming intake versus a pause on the intake and even a pause on the output that could then create something? Yeah, I think that that is, that's so much of, of what I'm seeing. Because we're in such uncertain times, I think that people are looking outward or they're looking externally for some kind of validation, for some kind of connection. Um, for some kind of certainty. Yeah, and one of the things that I keep noticing, oh, this is interesting. This is just coming up because you, you just said this and I'm thinking about what I'm doing. Um, my hope is to help support my clients in coming back to themselves in looking inward toward, for validation in looking to connect with themselves first instead of being so dependent on that input, right? Yeah. And so I notice, you know, on my website, it says um, that my hope is to help clients, women in particular, everybody, but I, I, I specifically work with women um, to help connect them to their own truth, their own inner sense of knowing, their own um, intuition, their, their voice, because that's where the magic is. And I truly believe that everything that we need to know for this lifetime comes from connecting with yourself. And for me, connecting with myself also means connecting with God. Yeah. And you said that so many times already in this conversation. It's like, what do I need right now? Yeah. We can't ask our friends that question. Like, yeah, we can. And our good ones will be like, you need some space. Yeah. Mama, you need to meditate. Yeah. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like you did that. Yeah. And, um, and yet, really, truly, I mean, I'm learning that so much this last couple months is like all this stuff of COVID, it's just brought up there's no cover there, there's no ability to cover it up anymore like right. insecurities and um where i'm scared to get messy or scared to like i just even had a conversation with my husband we're talking about some businessy things and i said 
I'm, I'm always scared to say the thing that I know in my gut. I'm like, no, this is the question to ask right now. And I can't just, I don't, I don't need to go to a marriage and family therapist for them to tell me to say that thing or not to trust my gut. Like I just need to do it. And, um, and I like the void of not having a moment where we pause. Mm -hmm. And like you said that in, like in your morning ritual, it's like even just to be in gratitude is a pause. It's a pause on producing. It's a pro a pause on input coming in to just like hold a space for something different. Like, cause yeah, like I think what I said, when I pray to God, I usually am venting, complaining about a lot of things, but I very rarely, I'm like, thank you so much for this business closure for seven months. I'm stoked on how much I'm growing, but watching like, you know, like all of my insecurities rise to the surface. And at the same time, I'm like, actually, I don't think I would have been doing this podcast. I wouldn't have started making, you know, I'm like, thank you. And yeah, thank you. Wow. Yeah. I can it's be grateful. Yes. It's both and. One last question, Sonia. If you had any advice to give your younger self, what would that advice be? Mm. Mm. I would have... I encourage my younger self to trust her inner knowing, to listen to that voice inside. Quit paying so much attention to what other people think, um, people pleasing, and to pay more attention to what was true for me and what I was experiencing, what I was feeling. Truth. Yeah. Let the truth set us all free, right? Yes. Yes. I'm so grateful for you all for listening and for joining in on this conversation and telling your friends about the show. Our goal is to inspire you and everyone into action. Please take a moment to rate the show and share your comments. It helps us get in front of more eyeballs on the podcast channels and ultimately inspire more people to live a life of passion and purpose while allowing for things to be messy. See you next week.